Welcome to the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast, where expert advice becomes real results. At RNA, we are public land hunters that love to share our passion of the outdoors. So join us and our pro staff team as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight and knowledge to help make hunters more successful. think I could shoot him before the last Speaking day. Speaking from experience. Things, bad things there happen he goes, ladies and gentlemen. that prevent when it, even even your third or fourth choice from being available. When the wind blows. Sounds like Wyoming talking is what it sounds like. Has he drank yet? Has he no, he hasn't had anything nothing. to drink. I offered <laughs> a couple of whiskeys. Boy, we'd have got him into the mode if we'd have given him one. Bike by fork we saw today. I mean, that was that. I was, know there was a little fork that I know he wouldn't have shot. <laughs> two big forks with it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, those were the respectable forks. You should have seen him yesterday morning. Ah, oh, boots on the ground. December boots on the ground. Sunday, I was ready to pull the trigger. Kid, kid at Christmas, huh? It was oh, pretty funny. It was. He's like, look, that's look, a shooter. Look at that one right there. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's a good. Keep buy. going. We got we got that's miles to go. I told him, I said, but that was me last year for sure. I said, I'm still that way this year. He asked Daniel. I had my tag field the first couple bucks we seen. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's like, come on, Brandon. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Jason, where'd you shoot that? Because, I mean, I, I, I'd shoot it. But. Well, did you see? You didn't see the big fork horn, right? Yes, I did. Did you see the we big did. Yeah. We did see the big fork horn. Yep. Well, you About know. 27? Yeah, he was uh, wide. He was 27 at least, I think. Yeah, that's a good buck. That's cool deer. He might be in trouble come last day. He better be on the uphill side, though, because I don't know if I'm dragging you out of the barn. <laughs> yeah, do you want a whiskey? I'm drinking it. If I were at home, yes, the answer would be yes. <laughs> not at hunting camp, son. Wow, that's pretty not crazy. Until, I'm the one hunting, I'm the job, one drinking. So we, we used to have a little saying that hunting... And whiskey and gunpowder didn't make a good mix. That's not how Art sees it, right? That's not how Art sees it. Art would say at 9 o'clock in the morning, would you like breakfast? And I'd say no, because I was so excited to seeing all these deer and stuff. And he'd say, they asked me like three times. And after after the, this is the last time I'm going to ask, you want any breakfast? I said, no. He goes, bars open (laughs) at 9 in the morning. Well, you know you're in trouble when you're in, in Russia and you show up for breakfast. And there's a shot glass next to your breakfast plate. You're thinking, it's breakfast That's for time. vodka. And they're like, well, yeah, <laughs> gotta have a, you gotta have three shots before we get going. Three shots in the morning. <laughs> like, okay. All right, welcome, listeners, to the Rod Narrow Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Pa. This is episode number seven, and we are coming to you from. Independence, California. Actually, we're actually uh, live right now at Ray's Den Motel. So, uh, Linda, who's been a gracious host, has been hosting uh, our guests here for, for, for quite a while, and this is our first night staying here. We were camping up on the mountain recently, but not only do they provide free Wi-Fi, but they have cable TV and air conditioning, which tonight air conditioning might 
come in handy. <laughs> I'm telling you, usually we'd be, we'd be talking about the heater. We want the heater. But tonight, geez, man, Lucas you're in, is in shorts. shorts. Yes. What's up with that? Shorts in December <laughs> and there's snow on the mountains. Backwards. Backwards Bay. So as we always do on the Rod and Air Outdoors podcast, we do a little bit of trivia. So we're going to talk about mule deer because I think that only makes sense based on what we're going to talk about this evening. So did you know as listeners or guests that the mule deer is indigenous to Western North America? So we're in California now, so that makes sense. It is named for its ears, which are large like those of the mule. So, you know, I've asked people that question, you know, why they call mule deer mule deer like you ask someone why do they call a white-tailed deer a white-tailed deer well when Um, they're running away from you it's pretty obvious why they call you a white-tailed deer why is that well when they're running from you (laughs) that tail's flashing saying goodbye see you bye that's right mule deer can survive nine to eleven years in the wild and up to 25 years in captivity so what's scary about that is is think about a buck that was held in captivity for 25 years and imagine what he looked like at about year 12 or 13 if he was fed right well i was thinking about that that buck that we saw earlier today that had that big old pot belly that we figured was probably six or seven years old and uh yeah now you got one in captivity lives to a 25 that's yeah. crazy but most normal actually will survive nine to eleven years now when you Hunting a unit with 35 tags, unfortunately, some of those smaller bucks get taken. So we're going to talk about that tonight as well. Mule deer can run up to 45 miles an hour. So, you know, they're they're not quite like antelope, but they can get booking pretty quick. And some biologists estimate that a mule deer's sense of smell is up to a thousand times stronger than a human's, which is pretty interesting if you break it down even more. Research suggests that a mule deer can detect human odor up to a half mile away. So I know we haven't done a lot around scent control. I was going to say, is that trip. the reason we got Brandon here or what? Uh, it depends. Did you, on, did, you know, did you notice? Did yeah, you notice? I did. It, it, okay, just check. It depends on what you ate the following night and how that outcome is the next morning. So we've, uh, we've definitely um, tested our, our wool under this trip. So, uh, But I do want to talk a little bit about our guests. And this is a pretty special podcast. Um, for me because I was actually able to interview Jason uh, in a two-part series number three and four uh, about two or three months ago where we talked about planning for this event and this hunt that we're currently on with Jason today so it's pretty neat that um, you know we had a lot of things we talked about around the season what he was going to bring up here and kind of his timing and now we're here and we're living some of that so it's cool to, to share some of those experiences so um, with that, we're going to kind of do a little round robin, which is what we typically do on the, on the podcast. So I'm going to start to my right, and we're going to go, I guess, counterclockwise. I'll start with Jason. Just give a brief intro, who you are, and uh, why you're here. Well, I'm Jason Quick, and surprise, surprise, I have the Goodell G3 tag this year, and which took 15 years to draw, and that's the reason we're here. To find the almighty big monster mule deer of the Sierras. So, so what? Tell just a little bit of history. What? Why is this tag so coveted? Well, this has always been the tag that we've always dreamed about drawing. In fact, we started applying for this prior to the point system, about three or four years. So we've been actually applying for this for 
well, 18, 18, 19 years we've been trying to get this tag. And wow. when they finally went to the point system in California, we decided, hey, look, we're going to we're gonna draw this tag if we just stay the course. And basically, we've stuck to it. Now, last year, my brother drew one. This year, I drew one. That's crazy. Never thought that would happen. And hopefully, next, next year, year, Dad will draw one, right? and we'll go crazy. So we'll be here again. So yeah, very exactly. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Next on the list. Brandon Williams here. Crazy man. <laughs> Mr. Elevation every, Sickness himself. Yeah. Huge migraine the first day. Anyway, every June, the G3 is tattooed in my brain, and it has been for the last 12 years. And to hear that not only Jason's brother drew it last year, he Jason draw, drew it this year and invited me up here just to witness this hunt and this coveted tag is just... It's been breathtaking, so I appreciate you guys having me up here. Glad to have you, man. Yeah, it's a special place, there's no doubt. It's working off those 10 powers, I've got a deer! <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. That's right. <laughs> He's an eagle eye. Okay, and to your right would be? Uh, I'm Daniel Quick. I'm here as the pack mule, 21 years old, uh, Jason's nephew, so I was here last year with my dad's hunt, and... Did a lot of scouting, came here twice before season, and then was here for the duration of the season for Dad. And came here, going up the mountain, going down the mountain. They told me, hey, go up there. So do whatever they say. Everybody needs that guy, right? And Daniel is that guy. He's, he's in the Marine Corps, so he's a pretty tough guy. So Master of taking orders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice having that guy around because... Jason could be like, well, there's my buck, and he's dead at 1,200 yards. All right, Daniel. We'll gun him, skin him, and bring him back. <laughs> we'll see you at 9 o'clock tonight. Yeah. <laughs> see you tomorrow. Yeah. Daniel, welcome. Thanks for being here. Ron. My name is Ron Quick, Jason Quick's brother. I was fortunate enough to uh, get the G3 tag last year. Uh, it's sort of hard when you tell your wife this is a hunt of a lifetime and then try to explain to your wife the next year that how your brother drew it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got to take another week off because yeah. my brother drew the tag. But uh, the most awesome thing besides seeing the deer, and even better than that, is is just being with my father, my brother, and my son. I mean, we've always grown up hunting, always had a lot of great times, but being together <laughs> is the best part about it. Absolutely. I've noticed that. That's been neat to see the multiple generations here of the Quick family in, in this. And hopefully when I'm of age that, you know, Daniel may draw this tag in 30 years, maybe 20 years. <laughs> well, I'll be back here. We'll be back here again, <laughs> doing it all over. Maybe Hanging out at Raised In, baby. That's right. Hopefully Raised In is still standing. <laughs> and last but not least, Mr. Tony well, Quick. I'm Tony Quick. I don't know exactly what to say, except you can blame these other quicks on me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of started this whole hunting thing. Uh, and I'm proud of it, actually. But uh, I'm getting to be like 75 now. So I'm uh, watching my grandson run up the mountain instead of joining him. I'm thinking... 
I'm doing good to not have a cane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still able to walk around, but uh, this heavy-duty stuff is definitely for the younger generation. So I don't know what to add to that. No, that's I'm great. Glad, it's good I'm to have glad you I'm here. here. All you got to do is be able to pull the trigger. We'll send Jason somebody else Sunt. to get it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I was here last year for Ron Sunt, so... I hope I can make it for my own hunt if I ever get a tag. Woohoo! <laughs> Max points, right? Max points, baby. Next one thousand. in line. Wow. What was that, wow. Daniel? I said he could hit it from a thousand, so that's all that matters, right? Yeah. That's We've it. We've got the technology. We're going to talk about that. So, anyway, um, so that's our that's our motley crew here. There's <laughs> been the six of us here. Uh, Jason showed up mid last week and has been looking at a lot of bucks. We're going to recap that, and then Holy. the rest of us showed up. Uh, on Thursday, and then Daniel showed up uh, on Friday. So it's been neat having everybody here and just kind of going our separate ways and trying to figure out where the deer are at, uh, where the big one's at, and we're still we're still trying to find and quantify that that big one. But he's there, he's out there, and we're going to find him. So with that, I just want to kind of just leave a open mic up and talk really on a recap so far of what we've seen versus um, are there shooters out there. And I think I want to start it with Brandon because, you know, if Brandon had this tag right now, I think we'd all, would have been we'd all be sitting at home right now <laughs> trading pictures. But, Brandon, what's been your recap overall since you've been since we got here on Thursday? Well, my background comes from Central Coast public land hunting. And when you hunt those kind of areas on public land, you're not only fighting people, but when you see a buck, you shoot it. So... The first time coming to a coveted tag hunt like this where you're trophy hunting, I never really knew what trophy hunting meant until this weekend, but like Lucas said, I would have filled my tag on, on a Friday morning the first couple bucks I saw because <laughs> there are so many quality bucks here, but when you're hunting a unit like this, you want to find something special, right? I mean, you waited yeah. 15 years, so... We're it's walking been, up. It's uh, been quite the experience. Friday morning, we wake up, we're walking up the trail, and uh, Brandon, of course, spots the deer. He's... He's an eagle eye. He spots these deer. He's like, Luke, Luke, buck, it's a big one. <laughs> so I put my glass up on it. Okay, that's a good buck. You know, it's, I think it was a three by four, yeah. 20, 22 inches. I said, that's a good buck, but that is not the buck that I know Jason's looking for. So, um, you know, and with having this tag in your pocket, it, it, and you have the time off, it allows you to, you know, pass on 50, 60, 70 bucks till you hopefully find that one. But, Jason, um, you've been here the longest. What's kind of been your overall recap thus far since you've been here? Man, it's been, it's been, well, it's been kind of a rocky start. I mean, the reality is that the weather, as soon as I got here, turned nice, which under normal circumstances, you'd be like, awesome, cool, great weather. But in this case, that's not good for hunting. Um, the deer are way, way up high. The best bucks we found have been on top of the world. And when I say on top of the world, I'm talking on the top of the Sierras. We're like 11.5 and in a bowl that you think, how in the world would you ever get there? I mean, it's like you hike for four or five hours and then you're still another 1,000, 1,500 yards away from them trying to figure out, well, how would I get there? And that's been really kind of the frustrations for me on top of that is we really haven't seen what I would say deems a 15 to 18 year wait 
to find a buck. Really, the silly part right now is probably the coolest deer to me that I found was a big, huge Forgadorn that my brother and I saw last year, and I kind of teasingly told him, well, hey, you know, I mean, if you can't find any other buck, we should shoot this big old Forgadorn. And then about two days before he killed his buck, we found that Forgadorn again, and it had busted one of its horns off, so it was a spike boy fork. And I was kind of like, hey, look, you could shoot a spike by fork. Wait 20 years to shoot a spike by fork. It's Excellent idea. But, You'll never see but that But for one. a fork at horn, you know, yeah. when, a, when a fork at horn is 30 inches wide, that, that's one hell of a fork at horn. It is impressive. You don't see many 30-inch forks. Right? Yeah, that's a pretty and cool looking deer. Some management hunts, you can see those, but... Very cool. Uh, Ron, give us a little recap. Just briefly last year, and maybe maybe um, try to compare last year to this year and what you hunted last year, and then talk a little bit about this year in, in comparison. Well, like Brandon, a lot of my hunts have not been for big bucks. So last year, you know, Jason didn't give me ammunition. <laughs> that was a smart I'd move. Say, he would have shot the first thing, Brandon. I'd say, look, look at that nice four point. And he'd say, no. You know, or or look at that three by four that was no, it was a is there was a spindly three point that was twenty seven inches or so that was real nice. And I mean we we just saw some good bucks, but Jason's big saying, anytime you show him it he goes, it's just another deer. It's not the right deer. Yeah. You or know, or that's that's not a deer. Yeah, that's that's not the one we're looking that's for. It's not a buck. That's just know. a deer. But I've never experienced anything like this where you can see two hundred deer, three hundred deer in some cases a day, you know, or see seventy five bucks in a day. I mean, now mind you, some of them will be spikes, you know, and and small fork and horns, but they're they're just all kinds of deer. And and when you do see the good ones, as Jason says, usually they're on top of the world and. And then when you go up there, or in my case, send my son up there to check it out, <laughs> it, it's like, you know, one of those things that it better be the right deer because it's going to take six hours to get up there for the... Yeah, you're in it. Once yeah. you're committed, you're in it. Kind of like that a ravine that we hit today. Oh, I didn't know this was here. And I was ready to go. You were ready to go. I'll give you that. But Until we all walked up, we looked down, and we're like, where did that come from? That, yeah. was, that was not on the map. That was not I, on the I map. I just wanted to say one thing about last year's hunt, though. We had, and this year we have these gentlemen also, um, Evan and uh, Greg Bell. You know, e Evan, uh, what's Evan's last name? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Evan and, and Greg were phenomenal. I mean, they, they grew up around here, know the friends places. Friends of friends. You know, and resident experts is resident what I would call them. Experts, exactly. And without their help, you know, my hunt wouldn't have been near as successful as it was. But uh, I mean, Evan comes in and starts talking about, yeah, we seen a we seen a thirty inch four by four, but he ain't a shooter. You know, I'm thinking most thirty inch four by fours. You know, I'm thinking Montana, Colorado. Those are big frame, heavy, dark antlered bucks. But the ones here, the genetics is a little different. And yeah, based on some drought seasons, they're still getting the width. They're just not getting that that frame and that big massive. Yeah. And a lot horse. of them get broken now nowadays. I mean, they get into a fight with a 
another deer, sometimes a smaller deer than them. And because of the drought, you know, they'll, they'll bust off a horn. Yeah. Boy, that's depressing when you see a nice deer that is missing two of its main tines. Especially when it's crap. a wide deer and that might not have the, you know, because of leverage, the wide deer sometimes are the ones that get broke off that, you yeah, they're fighting with a cry. slender 20-inch buck yeah. that or extra, can get inside of them and turn yeah. and snap that antler off. Extra yeah. kickers. Extra kickers and drop times. You know, a couple of years ago, a guy that I knew killed a really cool buck with like a 13-inch drop time. Man, we've seen deer in the last couple of years that you thought, man, there's a, there's a weird thing on them. And I'm sure it's basically it's an extra point that's just been sheared off because they get in a fight and bust them off. Yep. You know? And you like the trashy bucks. Man, I really... <laughs> that's kind of about that in our first... You I said ca- that's kind of what I was hoping. I was hoping I'd find a trashy deer is what I'd find. But most of the deer genetically in this area really are, are pretty much typicals. I yeah. mean, or three-by-fours is pretty pretty popular. There's been, what, one buck that's had kind of a... Yeah, had a funky in, backwards... Or something. Backwards, and then there was one that supposedly had an inline, but... Daniel and I saw him again today. That three point with the, on the left side, he had a kicker that went way down. Yeah, a little backward, yeah, backwards. Backwards. It was probably six or eight inches long. Yeah. So That's technically, he'd be a four. He'd be a four by three. Yeah. He was a nice deer. Yeah. So. Daniel, the, how about you? What's uh, what's been your feedback so far? Uh, a lot of hiking. I mean, last year I feel like there was a lot more deer in general in the area this year it's we're working a lot harder to just see them they're there it's just a lot harder um last year i spent a lot more time here because i had a lot more time to spend so i knew almost every buck like we could take pictures keeping albums of them yeah so start to name them yeah we knew exactly where like we'd we'd walk down a trail and we'd be like well there's going to be six deer right around this corner sure enough six deer right there um you may have spent a little bit more time last year is there a reason you didn't spend as much time this year <laughs> newlywed uh, yeah got married <laughs> had to do all that stuff a not a of, not a huge deal right <laughs> yeah a lot of we just yes. i was gonna say we we, we got we got a, everybody else here and then we got two guys here that are uh, basically we should ask them Daniel, how long have you been married? Four weeks now. Four weeks. I think Brandon's got that beat. I've been married for seven days. Brandon's been married for seven days. Seven days ago. His eight-day anniversary is tomorrow, you guys. Brandon's honeymoon with us. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about that. I'm surprised he got to come. (laughs) Good woman. Your wife must love you to give you a hall pass. (laughs) Well, she said, and when it comes to hunting... That's the whole pass, so. I must say, the opener of G3 this year is my anniversary date. Well, boy, we can't wait till you draw the tag and we have to tell her, <laughs> honey, happy anniversary. We're going to the raised in, baby. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Yeah. That, that's Ron's, romantic. Ron's nodding right now. This is romantic. Ron's like, there's been four guys sleeping in this room. I can only imagine what that's going to be like. Four grown men. Okay, Tony, any comments so far since you've been here? Bucks you've seen? Uh, it's good to be young because there's a lot of this hunting is 
straight oh, up and very down. Very close to vertical granite cliffs. And this old body is not used to that. I'm <laughs> used to milder hills and mountains, and there's not many of those around here. It's, this is good sheep country. Matter of fact, some of the men in this room have been seeing herd, small herds of sheep and rams that make them want to be sheep hunters. <laughs> and I'm not sure this, this place is even legal for that, but it's sure nice to, to see the sheep here. Yeah. Makes makes all the hunters feel good to see yeah. sheep in the absolutely. Here. So this morning we go, and first thing in the morning I jump out of the truck, and I'm like, there's an elk bugle. Like, you hear that? I'm like, what? What are we talking about? And then we, we start glassing. Sure enough, there's elk probably three 400 yards away from us. Then we start humping up the ridge, and we start spotting deer. Jason goes, oh, there's sheep. I'm like, where? He goes, right up there. Of course, when you point right up there, it's a rock chute that goes up, <laughs> goes you straight know, up the a mountain. thousand yards. So we saw 11 sheep, and uh, so we saw deer, sheep, and elk in a matter of about three hours this morning. Yeah, it was awesome. That was cool. And that is very cool. I mean, cool. we're in California. Can you say that you can go from 60-degree weather to 20-degree weather on the mountain and see three different species of exotic animals? Yeah, and go from 4,000 to 11,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, so uh, based on shooters, have have we seen any shooter bucks? What's your guys' take so far? Uh, yeah. <laughs> My tag was already filled. Yeah, yeah. Brandon was done on it. <laughs> I told him, I told him, that. don't worry. We're just not going to let you have any ammo, just like I did with my brother last year. Yeah. The smart thing was just to say, I'll hold your ammo for you, and whatever you'd find a buck is you go, okay, I'm there's a deer, but it's not a shooter. But when you look at it, don't get it too excited because you're not going to shoot it. And then of course, as soon as they look at it, and they're like. Why the hell we should shoot this? <laughs> that was what Ron told me last year, after after we finally killed his buck. But but in your professional opinion, has there been one that I have not seen a deer that actually I thought was a shooter at this present time. Um, I keep hearing people say, "Oh, I saw this or I saw that," but I've seen a really neat three point that has a kicker, which actually. It's the one that they saw and we saw yesterday. And I saw, on my second day here, I did a hike up a mountain, and I saw two bucks. I saw one 24-inch wide by probably 26 tall, 4 by 4 that was really nice. And then I... <laughs> there he Brandon's goes. Over there going, Jack punch. And, right and then... <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. But the, and then I saw on my way back down, I saw one deer that had a really big front, and on one side he had double eye guards, but his backs were a little weak. Those are the three best deer that I saw. And to be real honest, I, they're just deer. They're they're not. And I know that's kind of harsh to say, because for most guys, maybe that's a deer of a lifetime. But when you wait fifteen years on the point system to draw a tag. You really think that you know you're going to be looking at a whole bunch of 180 class plus bucks, and I haven't seen it. I'll be real honest. The that big horn that we saw, I don't know. To me, it's cool. Buck. It, it's it's cooler than all the rest, and maybe it would be a better deer to take out of the gene, gene pool. 
than than the other deer that I saw. But once again, I'm hoping that that's not going to be the case, that on the last day I'm not going to be telling myself, should I shoot that deer or should I have tagged soon? Yeah. So, but once again, got to look them over. Sooner or later, maybe you're going to find the right animal. Yeah, so at this point, I mean, we think we estimate we know how many tag holders are left. Yeah, what? We think maybe there's in between four and six people that have tags left. Now, the golden opportunity guy we heard is here also hunting. So there is one other guy that actually bought a tag, and this is the only season that's open at this point. All the rest of them have closed out. So we understand there's one golden opportunity tag holder, and he has an outfitter that's up here looking for for deer. So maybe in between four and seven people because you ran on to one guy. Yeah, and one guy from Bishop still, from what we knew yesterday, still had his tag. but And his buddy, right? And he said him and his buddy were, they were looking for that giant 3x3, three three, the 30-inch 3x3. Three three. They said okay. they, would, they would take that buck. But, yeah, so those are at least, those two, the Golden Opportunity auction tag and then you. So that leaves at least four as of yesterday, not stating that anyone filled their tag today. So we well, heard some gunshots today, so. Yeah. So we're getting to the point now where we're a week left, and there's <laughs> hopefully some new bucks start showing up for for you guys. Yeah, weather's yeah. going to play a big factor, I think, in the next week. So well, we had, I mean, it was raining on us, and that's the goofiest thing. You're at five thousand. What what did you say we were we at? We ended 50? up almost at about sixty five hundred when we went up. We finished up on that. So road. it's sixty five hundred, and it's raining, and it's like. We're down in Independence, and that's 4,000 feet, but we're out barbecuing, and it's 56 degrees. degrees. It's, like, gorgeous here right now. In fact, I think all last season, I don't ever think in the evening it ever got that warm. I mean, I I think think it was in the... I mean, it wasn't really cold last year either. No, but it was in the 30s, you know. It was probably 30s. Crazy. Yeah, so weather hasn't been really cooperating we've gotten a little bit of weather up high but the bucks are still high from what we've seen yeah right i mean the, the bigger ones we've seen they're are still hanging up pretty high so it's a interesting dynamic right now based well, on where all the deer are at. brandon and daniel you guys went what to probably nine thousand feet no how what do you think you went to today it was around 65. You were at 65? No, now? 65 is where the main road is. That's where, That's the main where road we were at. Oh, we were probably 75 then, yeah, maybe. 75. I think you were probably 8,000 or 85. Yeah, I don't think I was anyway, Regardless, was the weather pretty cold up there? Or I know it the wind was blowing It wasn't cold. It was wind going from 20 to probably 60 miles per hour. Like You're walking and you get pushed back and have to make sure you have balance so you don't fall. Like The wind was horrible. It was you didn't want to go swimming in the creek? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I told I think at one point he said, if my boots get wet, we're going back to the truck. <laughs> I said, I'm not playing this game. I'm, it's not my tag. Did you hear that? Thanks, Uncle. Wait till it's I not my tag. Okay, uh, payback. Too. No, but it would have a little bit of like mist, light rain, and it would smack you in the face, and it would make you just not want to be there you would be sitting there with your 10 power binoculars and you wouldn't be able to tell what a how many points a buck had at 400 yards it was so windy 
just could not keep anything still. And that's tough when you're not only battling, you know, a lot of the mirage we've seen has been based on wind. So you set your binoculars or spot and scope up, and all you're seeing is this just left to right, you know, thermal that's just blowing through. Well, that was crazy this morning when you and I, we had perfect light, we had deer, what, there was 20-plus deer up there, and there was five or six bucks running around. And when we got the spotting goats set up, it was like, we, when we first got set up, on like 40 power, we couldn't see anything. I couldn't yeah. even tell which one was the buck, except for the one that was chasing the other yeah. deer away. Yeah, no, the mirage was really bad this morning. But um, yeah, For it, us, it was, it was just the like mist from... I don't know if it was the wind getting the snow on top of the mountains. Okay. It was the wind was taking down. the snow down, and we, we were getting hit in the face. And it was yeah. like we would look up, I don't know, 10,000 feet, there was a bull, and we would be looking up at it, and you would be barely be able to tell if there was a deer. It was just so much in between us and there. And Well, I mean, we spotted a buck when the wind died down for a minute, and we had him in our binoculars, and then the wind picked up, and we picked up and tried to find it again, and we just couldn't find it again because the wind was so bad. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, conditions like that definitely don't help. Um, based on some of the deer behavior we've seen, you know, at least from my experience, I can typically tell the bucks from the does because I'm seeing these big, heavy neck animals just chasing these does. Are you guys seeing a similar? Are you guys seeing the bucks starting to rut or at oh, least yeah. getting into that? that situation especially Dad was over there when, nodding yeah, especially when the deers oh. or with the bucks or with the does the bucks are fully stretched out chasing the does and noses are down yep yeah i've noticed that behavior tony have you seen some bucks chasing yes they have a, kind of a stiff profile when they're uh, chasing the does around they don't look like they're at ease, uh, so they're they're not like they are all almost all year during the rut. They uh, are ready to fight for almost any reason. If there's another buck comes over close to them, I don't think it even has to be chasing their what they think is their doe. They just don't want them around at all. And so there's been some uh, pushing around so forth, but I'm thinking in the next week or so there's going to be some flat out fights for for uh, the breeding process. So usually it's the stronger buck gets to do the breeding, and uh, the fighting tells which one is the strongest. We well, saw a little bit. I saw a fight today, so that was cool. I think Jason was trying to arrange his, yeah, was... his spotting scope, and uh, I was looking through my glass, and I was literally seeing two bucks, one buck. I, I saw him walk up, and that buck literally pushed the other one down probably 10, 15 yards, and then they just kind of spun off, and the other one shot off. But it was cool to see you know, they're starting to get into that time where they're starting to fight, fight each other off for those does. Well, that three by four too, up on the very top of the ridge that we saw, that was had of course the canyon that was in between us that we didn't know about. Um, you know, it was funny because his doe bed down right underneath a dead tree, 
and then he stood in front of her. And then the other bucks were like circling around the back of the tree, but he was like, okay, they can't get to her from the back of the tree. But as soon as they'd round the corner, he'd just run at them like a crazy man. And he'd run back and forth, you know, trying to chase them, the other smaller bucks away. And it was just entertaining as all get out. But Yeah, it was fun did. watching that group of, of deer because there was a lot of... A lot of there, action. Yeah, there was this deer being pushed around and there was probably seven, eight bucks in that group that were all just trying to fight for for that dominance in that herd. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, there was there was 20 plus deer and that one dominant buck and that one doe that must have been in estrus because everybody was interested in in her and it was just it was just entertaining to watch. You know one thing I was going to mention Lucas yesterday my brother and I were were watching a smaller three-point, and he was with a, a doe that was collared. She had an orange collar on, and she was moving around, and literally he was standing there, and he ran to one side and stopped, like, to get her to go the other direction, and then she bolted, and when she bolted, he, like, moved, but he forgot to move his feet, and no kidding, this buck literally fell on his head. I mean, it's like his brain said, run left, but his feet didn't run left, and literally he just fell on he just fell down on his head, bam! And I was laughing so hard I just couldn't contain myself. I never <laughs> seen a deer. He was like, he was like, you know, his brain got in front of him, and all of a sudden, you know, next thing you know, he was laying sideways on the ground, looking up, and I was looking at him through the binoculars, thinking. Did that just happen? She that... probably looked at him and said, "Yeah, yeah, boy, that was you know, really impressive." It, it is crazy. I mean, last year we saw a lot of fights, and we saw some serious fights last year. And but to see, because I haven't seen a lot of animals in the rut. You know, I just don't get an opportunity to hunt or get out in this. But it's interesting to see, just sort of like humans, how the males sometimes can just get crazy. Yeah. And they really do. I mean, when that deer fell over, you know, it's like, what? What just happened there? There's no way that happened. Yeah. You the know, scenario so. I always run in my mind is, is imagine you're all in a bar drinking, right? You're with your girlfriend or your wife, and some guy comes in and steps between you two and grabs your girlfriend wife and tries to walk away with her art. Are you going to stand there and say, oh, yeah, that's acceptable? Yeah, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be something Somebody's going to get hurt. Right. So, Or somebody's going to just step off the stool and fall on their head. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in this case. Too. Depends on how much Crown Royal you've had. Or... Uh, now, that Crown Royal is good stuff. But yeah. Bowen's is not bad either. So, yeah. a little plug there. So, based on, uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the conditions and weather. Um, you know, based on what we've seen from the weather standpoint and conditions, do we feel this is conducive? Why the animals are at the elevations that they're at, and why we're maybe not seeing the trophy class that we're all kind of expecting? I'm I'm hoping so. I really am because I'm the guy with the tag, and I'm thinking thoughts like, if it's not that, then tag soup is like really in the near future. But I'm hoping because the weather is warm is why we're not seeing as many deer. You know, as we talked about earlier, you know, this is the first year a lot of guys have already filled their tag. Last year there was lots of guys at the end of the season that, you know, didn't have their tags filled. I knew quite a few of them. Um, This year a lot of people, you know, shot deer. 
But, you know, there was only like two or three deer, in my opinion, that were really semi-worthy of shooting. Most of them were guys on the end of the opening weekend. They were thinking, you know, I got to get back to work or I need to go back home or, or every day that I'm out here, I'm not getting paid anymore. And so they were shooting three by fours. One guy shot this 32 inch three point. Cool. He shot a 30 inch deer, but I mean, it was just a spindly. Yeah. The back fork was really weak. Yeah. You're looking at it going, I mean, everybody's got to make their own decision, but to wait 15 years to, to shoot a spindly 30 inch three points, that's crazy in my mind. I mean, you might as well. That's throwing money away in my book. That's like you and I talked. How do you, some people measure success based on, you know, going and shooting a buck and being happy with it, and other people measure success based on the size of the buck, right? And some people measure success on just going, enjoying the adventure, not filling their tag, but just having that, you know, that that time away and, and yeah. enjoying that. So it's, I guess, all in how you look at it and everyone's perception and, is different. And that is very true. I mean, everybody has different stages of their hunting career. You know, you have the new guy that's never shot a deer before and he wants to shoot everyone that his tags allow him to shoot. Just a reality. And then after you've shot 10 or 20 deer, you get to that stage where you're like, maybe you're looking for a really nice one. And you can pass deer at that stage. And then you get to the stage where you're like, well, okay, this is pretty easy. I could get one whenever I want. And so you challenge yourself. So maybe then you go to archery or you go to black powder and then you start looking going, wow, I'd really like to have one really big deer, but you know, that takes years to accomplish. I mean, killing a big black tail buck, you know, in our area, that's, that's pretty hard to have. Yeah, it is. So, Ron, based on the weather and conditions last year to this year, have you, I mean, you're kind of a truth because you hunted last year well, and you're last, scouting this year. Last year was a little bit colder, and I think as Daniel and Jason said, we saw, I think we saw more deer, you know, than this year. But this year, and last year wasn't super cold either. I mean, it was colder when we came over to scout in Thanksgiving. We saw more deer then. And I think Evan hit it last night on the head when he says, you know, he says that all the deer come down when there's so much snow up there that it takes away their vegetation up there. You know, and I mean, when the best deer that I think Brandon and I saw tonight was way up there. You know, I, I don't know. I guess it would, you know, 11,000 or something like that. Yep. You know. Ten, ten five to 11.5 is where yeah. all the big bucks are. And, and it's one of those things where yeah, it's, it's just a little too warm. I mean, it was it was cooler last year. I think as the temperatures drop, hopefully the deer drop too. And and looking at the weather forecast, it won't be till <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week. Yeah, you know? pushing it to the so, pushing it to the envelope. But, you bring up a good point about if it snows and dumps so much up high, they don't have that feed. But you know, we're glassing some of these meadows way up high, and they still have pretty good vegetation yeah, up there. So it's green. Which will hold, will hold those bigger class animals, right? There's no reason for them to come down because they're not being pushed. And we've you know, talked about snow. to get up there, you know, when you start off at four or five thousand, I mean, that's a climb. 
I mean, it took me four hours to get to the 9,500 mark. And then once I got there, I started thinking thoughts like, holy cow, I got to get off, I got to get off this mountain. Man, getting off this mountain, it might take, it might take two, three hours unless you're planning on spending the night. Yeah. That's absolutely. You know? That was a thought that, you know, do you, do you spike in if you see the right buck? Do you spike in partway, set up a spike, and then try to get to them the following day? Or hopefully they're still there. You put them to bed, wake up the next morning, and scout them and try to find them. But like the buck we saw yesterday, you could have probably made the shot. I don't know how we would have got up there to get the buck. Unless yards. he would have just rolled down. But if he would have rolled down that hill, he probably would have broke every point off of his, his antlers that he had. So well, I'll never forget that sight in a 10-power set of binoculars at 900 yards away behind a big sequoia pine two or three inches outside of each ear with a 10-power binoculars. And he was every bit at 10, 5, 11,000 feet. Well, you know, I mean, that's the reality. I mean, you can find a big deer in a place, and then just because you find him doesn't mean you're going to get him. No, This absolutely. is hunting. I mean, trying to trying to figure out how to get there and... No different than what we talked about before. Okay, you get up there. Well, it's 2 o'clock. Well, guess what? At 4.30 here, it's dark. Yeah, it's getting dark. And at 5.30, it's black. I mean, you can't see anything. You need to have a, a headlamp or a flashlight. And coming down off some of these hills, man, some of these hills have some hellacious rocks. Yeah. And we're looking at, we, well, we spotted a buck today that was bedded down. And, I mean, just walking down through that rock garden, I mean, that, that stuff, that's hardcore where you could literally at any time, you know, twist an ankle, mess up a knee. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. bad stuff. And then like you were saying, Jason, you get all the way up there. It takes you a day and a half, two days just to get up there to see what he is and what if he has a broken point or what if he's not what you thought he was and then what? Yeah. Well, that's, so that's really the, that's, that's the kicker. Yeah, that's part of having good optics and yeah. doing your homework. And I think you're going about it the right way. You're doing as much as you can to try to find that one, and then you just figure out how to hunt him, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, if we could, if we could actually find that deer, you know, we've we've heard of a couple of deer that we're interested in. If we could find that deer, and basically put him in a general vicinity then at least we could put a plan together. You know, if it did have to take a spike out experience where you got to go somewhere and, and spend the night, then it, but you, but you got to know the deer's there. You, you don't, yeah. you can't just happenstance, hey, well, we think maybe he's up there. Well, let's just go up there and spend the night. Well, <laughs> that doesn't work out that way. I mean, it's. Well, look at the amount of sets of eyes you have working for you right now. It's not just You could us be the either. world's best salesman. That I know. I mean, not only the six guys in this room, but there's another, what, four guys yeah. that are, have been, are working for you right now. Well, I mean, that's, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you try to do. You, you know, you don't have to be the smartest person in the world, but basically, if you know a bunch of smart people and you could surround yourself with a bunch of smart people, you're going to be successful. And I really, I mean, having guys that know the area and know the country and, that's that's the key to be successful. And who knows? I mean, we don't have a buck located. 
I haven't pulled the trigger. I haven't done anything. It could be that I end up with tag soup at the end of the season and and go home with nothing. But boy, I put forth as hell of an effort as I think anybody could. Well, you've actually pulled the trigger. Well, that's true. <laughs> you actually Maybe pulled three the times. Today, didn't he? <laughs> I think you got a few witnesses today. Well, you know, we were talking about everybody's got to do their conservation effort, and and today as we were driving out, I said, "Man, this is a great place. Great place." We Daniel and I saw how many bucks were in that one spot there last year? Twenty. Twenty-five. Twenty twenty-five bucks. I mean, we saw one, and then Daniel said, "I'm just going to run up there." Well, well, it was okay, 400. So, no, it was like <laughs> 900 yards. And 900 yards here, everything's uphill. So, and big like, rocks. Even the downhills. You're, you're like 900 yards. That, that won't be bad. And you're about 400 yards away. And you're thinking, what was I thinking? But I'm already over halfway there. So, let me continue. And then I get over there. And I was like, well, crap, I could get real close, ended up getting 45 yards from the closest deer, and with 10 power binoculars at in, in between 45 and 80 yards, every deer, you get personal. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you it's get like, personal. like, you could start naming each deer, and you, I saw one buck that had a big tumor on its side of his face, and it's like, each deer has certain characteristics where you're like, that's cool, but none of them are shooters, but it's like, you start getting relationships with them. Yeah. You know? Well, that was that was the spot. And today, as we were driving out, of course, I I was driving. I said, "Well, this is right where Daniel and I saw a bunch of bucks last year." I said, "You know, it doesn't look that far, but I gotta stop and look." And I threw up the binoculars, and I'm like glassing around, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Well, what was that?" And I move back, and I'm like, "That's a coyote. It's looking at me." And I hit the rangefinder, it was like 490 yards. I'm like, oh, I have a gun. I'm like, I've got a and shell that, for that. And that, that coyote's just standing there. So I, of course, did what any good Samaritan would do. I bailed out of the truck and, and got the gun you set up. You more than be bailed. Okay, so maybe You were I was set like, up and ready to pull the trigger before we were. I'm like, hey, do you want us to shoot a yardage for you? He's like, yeah. Get oh, my, yeah. get my, get my oh, by the way, <laughs> I was trying to do everything myself, which was probably my biggest mistake. But, uh, yeah, I, the first shot actually, I missed him the first shot. Was it the second yeah. shot that I, no, the first yeah. shot I, the first shot I, I hit him in the back foot. Yes, I hit him in the back foot. It was 490 yards. Come on, give a guy a break. Everybody's, everybody's smiling right now. And then, of course, as he was going away and the yardage kept going further and further, I, I might have sent a couple of pieces of copper in his general vicinity, but I think no, uh, no animal was harmed in those last two shots to the point where I started questioning myself of, well, is my gun shooting okay? Well, guess what? The gun's shooting perfectly fine yeah, once we, you tested it. A we shot the gun couple more times we had it, to just, it wasn't the gun okay okay everybody's giggling right now it was got, not the gun take into account the wind a little bit there was one variable that we all just kind of now oh, there's no well we actually we knew there was wind we thought it was a headwind but it was kind of a crossing headwind that played a little bit of an effect on that that shot and, and that's the goofy thing out here you know 
there's sagebrush. There's no real trees in most of the areas. When you look at a tree, you think, well, it's not moving. Well, it's because it's a stout tree. I mean, everything that lives in this area is, is tough. The bushes are tough. They don't blow around like crazy. Yeah. So when you look for indications when you're looking through the scope, you really don't see those wind indications like you do at a lot of other places. And, of course, then I got into the kill mode, want to kill the coyote, want to kill the coyote, and you tend to get a little carried away. That's a small target at 500 yards, though. I, I hit him, sort of. Yeah. So. You won't make it long. Yeah. You know. That's one, okay. One, le- one you gotta less pull those out. You got to pull those out of the gene pool, too. Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone for listening. The RNA Outdoors podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found both on the podcast feed and our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. Feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed. We are live on Podbean and iTunes. For iOS slash Apple users, go to podcast on your Apple device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. When you subscribe to a podcast using the podcast app for iOS or using iTunes on your Mac or PC, you are subscribing to the podcast updates by that particular podcast producer. With iCloud, you can synchronize your podcast subscriptions across all devices. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean or just use our website, again, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on any of our social media platforms. Twitter is at RNA Outdoors. Instagram is hashtag Rod in Arrow Outdoors. And of course, Facebook, you can search by just looking at RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you have heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Please join us next time for another edition of the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast.